You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. And here we go. Hey, everybody, Rick Bassman up here. I'm with my friend Tyson Kilmer today. Normally, I do this long, drawn-out intro, but uh, Tyson's a little tight on time. I thought we'd get right into it. Uh, Tyson's a guy that's really known to me in my world. How you doing, first of all, man? It's good to see you. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this. I'm, I'm super happy for what you have going on, and uh, let's get into it. Awesome. Thank you. You know... I- we were talking uh, off camera or off record before we recorded. You know, people that watch the show know that I get like pretty deep with people and can get uncomfortable. And I asked you, I go, you know, what can I ask you? What can I not ask you? And you said, dude, there's no limit. And I love that. I appreciate that. Um, so let me let me dive with probably the hardest question anybody will ever ask you. I know that you are the dog trainer to the stars and your, your resume is insane, man. It's crazy. So here's the biggest question, hardest question anybody will ever ask you. When exactly will you be hooking me up with Kate Beckinsale and Maggie Q? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, my my 7:30 tonight is with Maggie, so just just FYI, which is part of part of the reason for the for the hard hard uh, oh. of the show. <laughs> um, All right, so, so your answer is you'll be hooking me up with her an hour and nine minutes from now is what you're saying. We can FaceTime, baby. Beautiful. We can FaceTime. That's what it is. Yep, yep. John, John, you heard that, didn't you? John, did you hear that? <laughs> yes, I'm I got it. My... Yep, got okay, it. Okay, it's, it's on All record right. now, baby. That's good. So, Tyson, man, how's it going out there in LA? I know that you are you're a guy that like has no shyness about inserting yourself right into the mix. You're you're opinionated. Right. You're strong in your opinions. Um, right. You know, you're 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 a man in charge. I know that about you. What's going on out there in LA right now? And and look, there's a lot more to you than than the dog world, but I want to focus on that first. Are people taking care of their dogs right now? Are they not taking care of them? Um, And where do you fit in there? I feel like in the LA culture, you know, people are pretty fanatical about their dogs at best. Most of these people would would you know take care of their 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 animals through sickness through, you know, whatever kind of situation that they're in. Even even the homeless people out here take pretty damn good care of their dogs. So I, I think L.A. is kind of, you know, a little bit over the top in terms of, of, of the levels of care that people go to. So even in a crisis like the one we're suffering right now, um, I feel like most of the dogs are doing, you know, pretty okay. Oh, good, man. I'm glad to hear that. You know, from like from my vantage point where I live up here on Maui, it's like I'm, I'm pretty isolated as it is. And this whole COVID thing where they're, where they're saying shelter at home, it's making it like socially acceptable to be isolated now, which is great by me. Which is um, wonderful. It's a wonderful. I love it. Yeah, so do I. And it seems like a great excuse to spend more time with my dog. So I hope that's what's happening Absolutely. all, that's of, exactly all over the world happening. right yeah. now. That, that, that is very much so. I think any of, any of the, 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 the areas that we would be participating in in a home life are flourishing during this crisis. It's a, it's a strange dichotomy between the suffering that's going on and the pain and, and, and a lot of the mental health issues that are actually happening out there uh, contrast against, you know, the, the enormity of being able to spend days with your animals, uh, you know, being able to spend days with your children and your family uh, re- very much uninterrupted by, by the, the normal crush of daily life. 
it's an interesting thing. There are a lot of upsides to it. I love a lot of the upsides to it. At the at the same time, I, I have a lot of empathy for what's going on out there. And I really, you know, worry for a lot of people and a lot of animals, especially in this polarized environment. Okay, so that that's okay, polarized environment, man. That is like the theme of my life, at least insofar as the show is concerned. Because in my mind, it's yeah. so polarized right now. It, it's it's disheartening, man, to see what's going on out there. How, how do you define that polarized in today's environment? And how is that affecting you, if, if at all? Well, Rick, you know, none of these things ever really affect me. I, I, I'm, I, I try to create uh, a lifestyle that's more of a meditation and a mantra than, than, you know, a lifestyle that's being affected by the energies that are that are happening all around us. I observe them. I see them in the news. I observe them on the streets. But my lifestyle is very much secluded, and and, and I put a lot of uh, emphasis on making sure that I'm waking up correctly, that I'm hydrating correctly, that I'm meditating and praying correctly, that I'm forgiving correctly, that I'm that I'm aspiring correctly, setting my intentions on a daily basis. And so, um, you know, I'm in heaven at all times for the most part. Um, um, and that's, that's a, that's a life choice for me. Um, I, I, I take, I take, I take the news and, and the stories that are happening out in the world in small doses. I like to touch, touch in and touch base and find out what's happening and keep my finger on the pulse, but I don't want to be of that pulse. I, I do not want to allow that the resonance of that pulse to affect my daily life too much because Dude, I feel like uh... if we stay in, yeah, if we stay in our heart space, if we stay in a healthy space where we're fulfilling our needs, taking care of our of our godliness, our manliness, our our machismo, all of the stuff that 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 is important to keeping me personally feeling alive, then I can be far more effective and 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 affect more help and change for people in need. So that that's a beautiful perspective and you know, typically at the end of these shows, I would ask people, you know, what what would be your advice to people that are suffering out there? But man, to, to me, you just gave that advice. And every action that you describe taking, uh, meditating, setting intentions, uh, remaining close to God, all that sort of thing. The, the beauty in that, man, is none of that costs you a penny. That doesn't cost anybody a penny. Uh, because as you know, a lot of people these days will say, yeah, well, I would do that if I had this. So they're, 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 they're presetting conditions that they're allowing them, allowing to get in the way of their progress. So, so what I would say know, to these people, what I would say to these people, Rick, is if God commanded you to be happy on the earth today, what would you do? You'd be happy, obviously. Because I That's feel commanded to be happy and I feel directed to be happy. And so... That's my directive, and I know that when I take care of myself appropriately, when I when I put the time in and put the work in, that my battery is charged and I'm good to go to help other people as well and to have a healthy perspective as well. Because people need healthy perspective during these times. People are really shook up. People are scared. You know, I'm not doing poorly during COVID. I don't do poorly. <laughs> it's not in my directive to do poorly. That's not what I'm here to do. You know, I'm here to do the best I can and, and to live my maximum potentiality. And so that's exactly what I'm doing on, on a daily basis, regardless. Some days I have more than, than others. It's, it's all good, but I'm doing the best that I can do on any given day, for sure. It's a, it's a choice and a practice, obviously. And that's, that's what I'm hearing you say. How, how, how long 
How many years now have you been consistent in this type of practice? I would say I began to find myself in my mid thirties. Okay. But, but, right. but it's been a, it's been a real journey getting to the place where, I, where I'm at now today. You know, I've had to get over a lot of stuff, a lot of my childhood stuff. I had a tough childhood. I had a lot of fear and anger and stuff like that around, you know, what happened to me as a kid, um, which took me a long time to figure out. And then also like, you know, the grind of trying to make it in America and trying to be successful and all of that stuff. But in my mid thirties, I kind of got to a point where I stopped giving a shit about money or giving a shit about what people thought about me. You asked me about my Yelp reviews. I love Yelp reviews. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. I think Yelp is the most useless company in the history of the face of the planet. I would give them no energy ever. They, they, these people call me and try to do business with me <laughs> like at least 10 times a year. And I would never do business with this company because it's a disingenuous company. So, you know, a company that makes their living off of rating how people feel about each other is right. is not it's a pretty faulty premise to begin with man there's no doubt about it and and to explain to our viewers out there um i i brought this up off uh off camera with tyson so to clarify and and by the way i agree with you i can't even navigate yelp that's just the transactional <laughs> side of it For, forget the philosophy of if it, man. you're the calling thing, yelp to get a hold matter. of me just don't bother calling me you can't afford got me. it you're not on my level Fair. You know, right me, I ain't that dude, bro. I'm, I'm the dude right. for the people above the above the above the above that have real liability that need their shit fixed for real. I'm going to ask you about that. That's the most important part of this conversation. Yeah. But people watching this, you know what they're going to do now, right? They're now going to go to Yelp and search you. So <laughs> so now I have to now I have to ask the question. Now I've got to yeah. ask. So there is there on Yelp. There's a good number of re re reviews on you and it's about pretty much straight down the middle. Half of them are one star that just kill you. The other half are five stars where you are like the second coming, man. Um, why, why is such a disparity? What do you attribute that to? I would attribute that to the mindset in America today. This is a polarized culture. It's real simple. In my opinion, listen, um, I'm a Democrat. I'm going to tell you that, uh, but I'm no liberal. And uh, I'm a gun-toting Democrat. I'm a fighter. I'm a scrapper. I have a sixth grade education. I was raised on the streets. I was abandoned on the streets. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and made something of myself. And the way that I made that happen was by having very powerful ethic, very powerful voice from God that, that directs me by working super hard, by being honest and providing more value than anyone ever asked me. And so when we're talking about Yelp and we're talking about people's opinions, well, you know, listen, people see that I work with Marilyn Manson, Sheryl Crow, Rose McGowan, you know, all these people, whatever it is, Kate Beckinsale, all these people, whatever it is, right? And then they want to, they can see that on some online platform and fucking call me as if, you know, and, 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 and but the, the thing that they, these folks don't realize is that, like, the mindset, this is not pedestrian work. You know what I mean? If you're calling me and you don't have your shit together, if you if you're calling me and you're not committed as a family member, if you if you have a wife and a, and kids and you don't listen to your wife and kids and you're calling me and you want me to help you with your dog, you're going to get a gigantic fuck you from me. I'm not going to be your dude. Listen, my my work is about coming together. My work is about honoring our wives, honoring our children, honoring our families, being honorable. It's about giving more than you receive. A lot of people think that they can pay a little bit of money and that I'm going to say yes to them. The answer is 
absolutely fucking not. That's not what you're hiring when you hire me. I'm here to do a job. I'm here to change your animal's life. I'm here to change your life. However, your animal's life cannot change if you're unwilling to change. And unfortunately, there are a vast amount of people out here there who feel like they can just pay somebody to, to fix their kids without fixing their parenting first. And so those people run up against a, a little bit of a brick wall with me because I don't suffer fools well. And, and I'm not into, I don't care about the money. I, you know, I care about who you are as a human being, how you approach me. I care about whether the amount of time and energy that I'm going to put into you is worth it, whether it's worthy, whether you're really going to do something good with it. And if I feel you're not, I'm going to be honest with you. And I think sometimes that honesty is a little much for, for some folk. However, for folk who are ready, who, 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 for folks who show up with their hat in their hand, with their heart ready to work and re really ready to dig in and, 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 and look at themselves in the mirror as a prerequisite to just asking their animals to change on their own. A lot of people want their animals to change, but they're not willing to change. You see what I'm saying? And so for those people that come through with their comes hat from us. Hand, that's it. Our dogs aren't going to respond unless, it, unless it's us first. I understand that. We, call, we call it the gift of the dog, Rick. The gift of the dog means that the dog forces us by acting up in areas where, we, where they perceive weakness in our personalities. This is what happens. They find the weakness in our personalities and they act up. And until we're willing to face those weaknesses in our personalities, we're going to be living in a shit show with our dogs. And so the work is not just about fixing dogs. The work is about healing humans en route to finding deeper and better connection with dogs. Dude, there's so many questions I want to ask you right now. Um, I'm going to get back to the, to the more macro, more important stuff in a moment. But I got a question about a dog now. And I, I'm not asking you for free advice, by the way. I want to, I want to see where I'm lacking. And, and I don't mind being told. Trust me, I'm an yep. open book, man. Yep. So my newest dog, Dennis, he's not that new. I've had Dennis for two and a half years now. Dennis was a pig hunter. Maui dogs are yep. trained to hunt pigs for, be for better or for worse. Yep. Right. So I take Dennis out now. He sees any animal he wants to go. Now, he does, he's actually not aggressive, but he, he'll charge, 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 charge. I, I, you know, I know more than 95% of people yep. when it comes to taking care of a dog and training yep. a dog. Dude, I cannot correct this behavior. Okay, what so am I my, missing? I'm not asking you how to do it. I'm asking you what I'm missing. Yeah. My first guess is that you're, you're trying to or attempting to fix the behavior in the moment where the behavior is actually manifesting. Am I wrong? That's correct. So, so no, you're instance, not. You'll take the dog in front of a pig or another animal, and then you'll want to fix that behavior there. The problem is, is, is that's the wrong place to begin. The correct place to begin is where is in a place that we call the womb. Okay, the womb is inside your home or inside a crate, but in a in a in a controlled environment with no distraction. Okay. And in this environment, we will create a protocol for how our animal will listen to us, how they're supposed to listen to us, where their body is supposed to be positioned, as well as how we're going to communicate, utilizing passive and aggressive body posturing and telepathic communication. So we're going to feel okay. it in our head. And people get freaked up you know, when they hire me and they think, oh, my God, I'm going to have to learn telepathic communication. I don't even believe in that. <laughs> but let me explain. Right. I, let me I know what you mean. Terms, okay. So yes. we go from our mm -hmm. head to our heart. To our solar plexus and from our solar plexus to our hands through the leash to the animal okay so i want you to visualize what you want send it to your heart send it to your solar plexus and breathe it out through the leash to your animal okay and we're doing this in a closed environment i'm going to remind you there's no distraction there's nothing for the dog to chase 
And then what we're doing is we're, you, we're teaching the animal where we want the body position. And what I would teach you is that I want that nose an inch or so behind your left knee. Leash in the right hand, dog on the left side, dog's nose an inch behind your left knee. Here's what you need to learn, Rick, and here's what you don't understand, and here's where you're faltering, okay? Is that your dog has led you in the past. Your dog has gone through doors ahead of you. Your dog has walked ahead of you, and you've allowed this to accumulate, this, this behavior to metastasize and accumulate over time. And so what that means is when the dog is ahead of you, they're the leader. And, and, and if I have permission to be candid, I'll ask you first. No, go right ahead, of course. Yes, okay, please. so there's only a few things this dog's interested in by, by leading you. First is the establishment of territory. We, we call it to fight, fuck, and procreate, <laughs> right? Oh, they want to yeah. get ahead of you so they can establish. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. However, by the dog's pack rules... If they relinquish that control to you and allow you the lead consistently, and when I say consistently, what I'm saying is at least 12 to 1,300 repetitions with no failures in a row, okay? All right. This will establish a habit, and this habit will mean that if the nose is behind your knee, your dog will defer to you as a leader because by their own rules, it would be very keten, which is French for tacky, to, to try to get ahead of you. It's not about the pig. It's about getting ahead of you. If they can't get ahead of you, they can't go for the pig. You see what I I'm saying? Yeah. I 100% man, I'm visualizing. Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes, I'm, most yeah. of the time I'm, I'm the alpha, but it's not all the time. And you're right. right. And I do let him get it. You know, I can, I can on command get him to back up and do yeah. certain things, but yeah. I'm not consistent. Thank you for that. I'm going to start practicing tonight. Um, yeah. how, do pe- how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Um, they don't. <laughs> yeah, you're, um, you're, you're, you're too busy with uh, Maggie Q and Kate Beckinsale, are you? Well, here's the deal. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not taking on new people. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, I have never put myself too far out there. The right. way that I work my process is that the people who know, know how to find me. And if you Fair have enough. six degrees of separation, and if you know the right people, you can get to me. You know what I Got mean? It. And, right. uh, you know, Yelp keeps calling me and they keep saying to me, you know, eight or nine times a year, they call me and they keep saying, we can help you expand your business. I'm like, fuck you. I don't need your business. <laughs> well, the young people are actually calling you. That's why awesome. Are you cold, why are you cold calling? Just stop cold calling me. I don't want your That's business. Fantastic. You know? Give me it. the worst ratings in the world. They'll still call. They'll always call me because they know the value in what we're creating. We are, we are raising animals that live free of leashes. We are raising animals that are fully, uh, you know, fully uh, uh, learned in all things traffic, hiking trails, dog parks, how to live in hotels, how to travel with people like Lenny Kravitz, how to be on tour buses, Learjet, on and off of private planes. They know how to live leash-free in harmony, period, point blank. They can be, they can cross the street in New York City by themselves. They can cross the street and be on the other side of the street from us. The, the, the results speak for themselves. And That's so people who know, know. And I'm not really just out there for the general public to reach out to. It's too much work. You know what I mean? It's too much uh, yeah. explanation. You get what I'm saying? Oh, I do. Let's go. Yes. Thank you. All right. You talked a lot a few minutes ago about ethics. Now, that's your, I can tell you live by an ethical code. Morals, your moral ethics, your work, your work yep. ethic. Now, yet you grew, you grew up, as you described, in a broken home. You were on your own. Where does that, where those ethics come from? Well... I've been visited by God a few times in my life. Um, thank God for that. Um, right. 
I've always had a voice, an inner voice. I've always had an inner voice that I listened to. I always paid attention and honored my inner voice. I'll do the same as well. Thank you. Mine's probably a little more exciting than yours. Um, it looks like it. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, I've always listened to that voice. And so in lieu of having a good mother and a good father, one of the exercises that I chose to do in my time in need as a young boy was to choose a thousand mothers and a thousand fathers. And so what I would do is I would find uh, human beings who had attributes that I really looked up to that I did not possess as a young kid. And I would get next to these people and learn from them until I learned how to, at least in a rudimentary fashion, uh, uh, pick up some of those attributes and, and utilize them. Pardon me. And by doing that with, with many uh, women and many men that I looked up to, I was able to formulate uh, my moral code in terms of how I would like to carry myself. One of the things is always treat people the way you want to be treated as well. Um, and then, you know, uh, another one of one of my one of my great mentors was a guy by the name of Mills Lane. Do you remember Mills Lane? I know. Yes, I do know who that is. Yes, of and course. His, and his handle was firm but fair. Firm. All right. So that that that's a pretty special guy to have gotten next to. Now, a, a question I'll often ask. A good friend of mine was on, uh, but I'm talking twi talking to him twice actually. His name is Dion Joseph. I have a feeling you and Dion would get on really well. He yeah. he looked. He's like he's like Black Superman. This yeah. guy is a trip physically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is known as the angel of Skid Row. He's the LAPD sergeant who runs the Skid Row beat in Los Angeles. This guy sees the worst of the worst on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I asked him, you have a homeless kid or homeless teen on the streets who has nothing, not just in terms of resources, but nothing left in his head or his heart. Yeah. He doesn't have the wherewithal to get next to a Mills Lane or to get next to a Tyson Kilmer or, or even a guy like me. Where can someone like that start, man? I, I asked Dion that question is, well, there's a rescue mission right down the street. There's some very solid, influential people there. The door's open to anybody. I'm like, great, that's a great place to start if you're a kid on Skid Row. I, I, I would say this. I would say that we all have a voice inside of us. We all have a voice. I believe the, the best place for any of us to start, I can tell you where I started, okay? I started by making a decision to be of service whether it served me or not as a child to be of service. That was the first choice, getting started. Uh, I'm going to come back to that. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. All right. Go on, please. I want to remember that and come back to it, but go on, please. Yeah. Oh, John, looks like we lost our connection. Did we? Uh, Tyson is definitely paused right now. Let me see here. All right. Hopefully he'll, but he is a, he's a good guest, isn't he? Wow. Yes, excellent. Yep. To be of Siri. Oh, you're all right, Tyson. Just so you know, you from our from our side, you froze for right. a minute or so there. So the the last thing we got was when you you were talking about being of service, whether whether or not it was of service to yourself. Right. And I I so, mentioned I want to so, come back to that, and I do. But go ahead. I, I believe that being of service in general is the starting point for self healing. We got to be of service to others. We have to give, 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 give. So if you're on Skid Road, then there's people all around you, and you can find, uh, uh, you know, ways to create random acts of kindness, uh, uh, immediately. I just believe that that the the random random act of kindness will begin, will will start a ripple, 
that will lead to something that will lead to something else that will lead to something else that will lead to something else. I think that the missions are great. There are a lot of great resources and places to go out there to find that. Now, I, by, by saying I don't want everyone calling me for my services doesn't mean to say that I'm not open to helping at-risk youth or helping, helping all sorts of people all over the world. I don't want to misconstrue, misconstrue the, the, the two. Those are separate things. I do all sorts of things for people in need. I give my services away all of the time, and I'm all about that. Um, but in my experience, the, the first thing that we can do, whether, because you don't need anything to do it. You can listen to God. You can listen to your God. I don't care what God it is. It, forget, forget the moniker of which God it is or you know what practice or what religion. Listen to your God. Be of service. Wake up and try to be of service. The, the, the next thing is to set your intentions. So there's a, there are a couple things that we do every single day. We wake up and we have a choice on how it is we want to approach the day. Correct? And we breathe. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we breathe. I don't even know how many times a day. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times we breathe. But how many of those breaths are intentional? Some people zero in a day. Absolutely. Right. Most most people zero right. in a day. Con conscious breathing is a hell right. of a beneficial practice. Right. And you're right. You can be you can be in a hardcore prison in Bangladesh and still do that. You don't need anything to do that. You're give. absolutely right. You know, I used to travel a lot to Cuba back in the in the 80s and 90s uh, for work, and you know, to other places in the world that were really really struggling, where 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 the people on the street were really struggling financially. Uh, struggling in a, in a lot of ways, you know, in repressed cultures. And so the one thing that I realized on my trips to Havana was that the people on the street were so much more friendly than my neighbors back in Miami. Mm -hmm. And they would take me and take me in and feed me and love on me and get me tipsy drunk and you know, just invite me into their homes and give me whatever the hell it is that they had. And so the takeaway for me as a young guy in the 80s and 90s was that we have so much stuff over here in the States. We have so much material stuff, but many uh -huh. of us are lacking the empathy to really reach out to our neighbors and really love and be of service. And we don't know what the other side is. You know, right. I, I feel like we're like brothers from another mother here for a moment, man. I really am. Um, you know, something I started doing about, I went through my last, hopefully my last major, you know, hit to the bottom, not that long ago, man, like, like three years ago. And, you know, at least I was no longer homeless, which also wasn't that long ago. Wow. I got into a, a, yeah, three and a half years ago, I got into oh, a home. Oh, dude, I, you don't want it, it. That's my misery. It's that's such a whole an different honor thing. to be on here with you, brother. You're such a fucking warrior. And, and oh, I'm thank so you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. yeah, it was a good, it was a good couple of year run, man. You know, four back surgeries followed by drug addiction, followed by uh, poverty, then homelessness and depression, you name it. And then I was an asshole because I was on drugs, of course, so I killed all my relationships. <laughs> anyway, they're they're almost all back now, thankfully. Most people have taken me back. Um, thank thank God, it's very nice of them. But um, when I got to this home where I live right now. That's when I hit my bottom, man. Suddenly I'm on Maui. I'm in this beautiful home that I pieced together. I was so lucky to get this. And that's when I crashed and burned. And you know how I got out of it, man? I got out of it because I was on Facebook. I spend way too much time on social media. I, now I post on it. I don't read it anymore. But I go read that shit out there and all of these people posting their suffering. And I started writing messages okay. to people on Facebook. 
saying, hey, I see what you're going through. Ah, did we lose Tyson, John? And we lost everybody. He is buffering. Okay, we'll wait for him to come back, and I'll finish uh, telling him about this, and then we'll go back to him. Yep. There, there you are. We're back. There, there you are, brother. Yep. Yeah, so all, all I was saying is I started, you know, I was sitting here being depressed. I finally had a home for the first time in years. I had enough money to get a Netflix subscription, so I'm like binge-watching Netflix all day. So I really didn't have it that bad. I had it pretty good, right? But what got me out yep. of it was going on Facebook, seeing people that were in abject misery, and something struck me to start direct messaging them. And the message always kind of started the same way. It's like, hey, you don't know me, so my apologies for intruding, but I can relate to what you're posting about. I've you know been there or somewhere close to it. And you know what? This is probably really obnoxious for me to ask you, but can I call you? And it was amazing how many people got back to me, man. Yeah. And I would call people and have, you know, I, and I'm not a psychologist. You're way more articulate than I am. I wish I had your ability to articulate. So I probably could have really helped people a lot more than I did. But it was just reaching out and showing somebody else that that you care. You know, it didn't cost me anything. And and my practice now is, and this is why I'm saying like, we're like brothers from another mother. What I do, and John's heard this a million times, I'll bet you John is rolling his eyes off camera right now because you know what's coming. But every day I go out, man, I make a conscious effort that the first five people I come across, no matter what mood I'm in, no matter what's going on, no matter how they're acting or how they look or what they're doing, I am like incredibly and as sincerely as possible, nice to these five people. And you know what, man, you do that, you turn yourself or you start to turn yourself and you might put a little bit into that person which starts to turn them at least for the moment. So there's always shit we can do to help people always. And but I mean, what, what you're, what you're describing to me is what's just saved your life. Absolutely. And, and another thing that you're describing to me, because there's a lot of negative press around Facebook and, 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 and these days. Oh God. Yeah. And, and, but what you're just describing is how you use that tool in such a, you know, we could be Russian hacking, we could be doing all this disinformation stuff, or we can be loving our fellow neighbors. And, you know, another thing that you, that another point that you brought up that I feel is, is just uber important to, to just uh, speak on for a second is how easy it is for people. People will get back to you. People are hurting. It's not rocket science. If you just, if you just put your heart out there and you give, and you know, listen, I don't have to get into your history to know that you're an axe murderer, tough ass, hor uber tough human being. And you see me, you know what it is, you know what it is, but the most powerful moves I've ever made are in raising the children that I have to the best of my ability and being a lover, finding my love and really, really pushing that love. You cut out a little bit again. We got, um, I, I heard you talk about the accomplishment of raising your children and, and we and, lost you right there. And, and, and then secondly, it's been, you know, learning to find love in my life, love in my heart and to, and to, and to project that love outwardly on a daily basis with the people that I feel are worthy of hearing it, receiving it and reciprocating. All right, so let me challenge you on that. How do we define, and I love it. I'm, I'm right there with you, man, so I'm agreeing. 
But the challenge is this. How do we determine who's worthy and who's not worthy? So worthy would be, from my standpoint, this is just my personal opinion, okay? Mm-hmm. For me, yep. it, it is somebody who is capable of being cognizant of the energy that's coming at them. Okay. Okay, because if not, then, you know, they might have some other steps or processes to go through to become cognizant of it. All right. Um, I don't need somebody to give me love back, per se. Um, I give a lot of money away on the streets. You know, I just... I struggle to, to walk past or drive past people in need. That That's a, a struggle for me. So I find mm-hmm. myself giving, you know, a, a lot um, for to my standard. Um, but there are also, you know, like there are categories of people in need out there. There are like millions of categories of people in need. And so what I do is I choose categories that are fulfilling to me. To, 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 to participate in. So I've got people who are in real trouble with their animals, who, whose animals may lose their lives. Now, it doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor or in the middle or whatever it is. All that matters is, are they cognizant and, and capable of receiving my love to a positive conclusion? I work with lots of youth out there, just kids that are in trouble. I gravitate towards thugs and misfits and not just thugs you know yeah would think that I run to the thugs and, and i do because i'm not afraid of thugs and i and i like a good thug every once in a while we 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 run in the same circles my <laughs> friend yes. but i'll also i'll also take in a transgender or a, uh you know any, any you know just anybody suffering i'm down down to put my energy in as long as they can hear what i'm saying as long as they're in a position where they are ready to receive the energy because there's nothing more frustrating for me personally than giving the energy to somebody who is not ready and doesn't want to hear it and doesn't appreciate the energy. I'm also too old and too uh, yes. tired. You know what I mean? It's like I have very little time in my day, uh, you know, with the people that I work with that, that require and demand results. My people demand results. Their their problems have to go away <laughs> for <laughs> our our transactions and interactions must lead to their problems going away and that's a very serious thing in my life that takes a lot of bandwidth and then behind no, and I got, that, I got you. it's like an addict ready to make a change either they're right. ready or they're not ready i got that's you right. they don't have to be rich they don't have to be poor they don't have to be good looking it doesn't really matter well a it's lot just, of my people are targets here. a lot of my people are targets and have more liability though sure. it's, it's tangible you know so it's it's a type of thing where you know like let's let's talk Lenny, let's dish on Lenny a little bit, right? So this guy, he's got 200 shows. He, after show, he's exhausted. He's beat. He's showing up in whatever town. Let's say New York. He's he's going to sound check, and, and he's trying to just walk his dog, and he's trying to multitask walking his fucking dog <laughs> and getting to sound check So because he, he doesn't have time to do both. You know what I mean? And then he sure. gets chased down by 50, you know, crazed fans that corner him. And his dog wants to bite their face off. This has right. to go away. It has to really actually go away. And the issue is that he's not going to have more energy in that situation the next time. We already have to factor in that he's exhausted, that he's overworked, he's at his wit's end, he's just trying to get through a date. His mind not, may not be, you know, he's not fresh. You know what I'm saying? And yes. so we have to create an animal that has his back when he's not fresh, 
when he's not even he's going somewhere he doesn't even really want to go he really wants to go back to his little island retreat and chill you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so oh, yeah. these are the responsibilities that i carry on a daily basis to help facilitate change in people's lives to, so that they can have a dog present because that dog probably saves his life or saves a lot of their lives mm -hmm. with the schedule people just think people have an idea of these of these folks that is not true or accurate for the most part these people are working really really hard they're really tired they're they're hurting they're exhausted they're lonely and they rely on these animals you know what i'm saying and these are animals become oh, very course. protective of them right sure. and so i don't have a lot of time outside of of my professional life to to spend on on anything else other than my children and my family pardon me so is that your personal life now? That's your personal life, your family right now? Oh, that's, absolutely. That's that's my I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm I'm a dad. I'm a father. That's that's my that's How my how old are your kids? How that's old are the kids? Absolutely. Right on. And and how old are your children? Uh my son is 17. Okay. My son is 17. His name is Tyler and my daughter is 14 and her name is Aaliyah. But very pivotal ages too. Good thing they got to have with them right now. That's awesome, man. Good for you. There's uh, no no more important job. That's for Thank sure. You. Thank you. Hats off to you, man. Now you're in LA. No, that's it. You're. How many times? This is going to sound like an off the wall question. How many times have you been approached to have your own reality show? I'll bet you it's like in triple digits. Oh. I've been approached thousands of times to, to yeah, man, I'm sure I'm sure you know I'm, I'm Tia Torres I mean, and Linda I've Blair Shorty, Oprah, BBC, Mark Barnett. I, yep. I've been signed to Oprah BBC Mark Barnett offered part of the you know dog whisperer franchise you know all of the above okay yeah you know Shorty is an old friend of mine yep. Shorty was actually he was actually my mini me in my pro wrestling company if you can believe I that. love it and it was awesome. He actually beat the shit out of me at the end of it. It was fantastic. But um, sure, you ever been speared by a midget? It was a lot of fun. Let me tell you. But um, you know, little, shorty, little people, Rick, they're little people. Dude, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little people, so I can say that it's okay. Oh, I got you. It's I got, right. Okay, got you. My bad. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm five, I'm five four, but I consider myself a little people. There you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, fuck with you. Thank you. Uh, but you know, like shorty. Torres, Linda Blair, they're all old friends of mine. And I'm sitting here listening to you and watching you going, why does this guy not have his own show or not had his own show? Just no no interest or, or the deal wasn't right or just Hollywood being Hollywood didn't happen. What's the reason? So I feel I feel like Hollywood does its own thing. It does this thing that it does, you know, and I've looked at I've looked at the media out there, you know, like I could have done the dog whisperer thing. I could have done that. I could have done a number of different things. I could have done, you know, um, the things that are out there don't really interest me in the way that they're, that they're being perceived. You know, I, I believe that there is a dramatic over maternalization when it comes to raising kids and dogs right now in America. And I believe that the, the lane that's being offered is for folks who want to live that dramatic maternalization type of thing. When on the streets, the, the, the reality doesn't match, you know, the carpet doesn't match the drapes in terms of what the hell is happening on the streets with these kids and these fucking dogs. And they turn on the TV and all they're being offered is, you know, kibbles and bits and kiss your dog to death. And that's not the, the fucking reality. The reality is, you know, most of the people I know have big dogs, strong dogs, 
aggressive dogs and they need some real guidance and, and somebody to be able to talk to them and, and guide them as a parent, as a, as a, as a burgeoning parent, guide them as a, as a strong young individual, male or female, and then also guide them as, as an animal communicator in a very real way. And it's not PG. It's not, you know, brought to you by Kellogg's. And um, that Hollywood dance has just been, you know, I don't know. Um, it's been less than interesting to me. Okay. Just... I, I figured there must have been a reason for it. I was curious. So I guess I guess when I finally launch my uh, dog park dating show, you're not going to be the host then. Um, listen, it depends on what you're talking about. Uh, if, if we're talking real talk and we're giving people real takeaway information and we're reaching the people that I think, you know, are, are you know, listen, let, let, let me throw something at you. If we go online in the dog space and you, and you start listening to, you know, the, a lot, many of the advocates out there, they're going to be telling you that, you know, pit bulls are misunderstood. All they need is love and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these dog fighters and gang bangers are destroying them for everybody. And they just want to present a macho image. That's a bunch of crap and it's a bunch of bullshit. The truth of the matter is the pit bull is being rescued mostly by middle-aged empty nesting women <laughs> who are out there mm -hmm. rescuing these animals and loving them to death. They're bringing them in to fill a space or a void in their lives. Absolutely. And these dogs are not being trained appropriately. They're not being disciplined and not being corrected. And a lot of these dogs are going on to create carnage in our societies. And when we go down to the hood and we work with at-risk teens, they don't have these problems with these dogs. If I go out and, and to Port Wainimi and start dealing with the, 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 the military people out there, they don't have these problems with these dogs. None of the people that I know have these problems. These are the kids that are actually putting the work in that and creating dogs that can be presented. And so, you know, the, the message and the memes that are being bought into online as well as in Hollywood, in my opinion, are leading people 180 degrees polarically in the opposite direction that we need to go with our dogs. And I know this because my dogs are free. I know this because my dogs don't fight. I know this because the animals that I bring in have mega million dollar lawsuits on them for human maulings and become teddy bears that my, my daughter lives with. And so I understand the process of getting it right with them. Unfortunately, the level of information that's out there for the masses is not accurate and is not leading them where they need to go. They cannot watch a lot of these programs and get any real takeaway. So what I would ask you is, if you're watching Pipples and Pearlies or Shorty or any of this, would you actually be learning anything that you actually need to learn if you're preparing to rescue a Pipple and live with it in a home with children or a home close to children? Are you learning nope. the right? No, no, because but I have to say this before I just say no. Sorry to interrupt you, but because they're all friends, because I appreciate all of them, I do have to say this. Yep. Will you learn that from the shows? Absolutely not, because that's not what television is all, all about. And I figure that I thinking ahead to what your answer might be to why you didn't do a show. I thought that might be it because it's all about hitting beats and creating drama. You and I both know right. that. But 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 behind the scenes, if you know Shorty, if you know Linda, if you know Tia. You know, Kyle Schwalb out in the Valley. I'm sure you know Kyle. Know um, the, these people, they do know what they're doing. There's no doubt yep. about it. Yep. It's just not seen for the rest of us to consume. So, so the question is, all. what is the need out there? And is television fulfilling it? And the answer is absolutely not. Oh, and God, no. It's, it's an entertainment forum, man. Of course. So I'm, not, of course. I'm not here to entertain you, brother. I'm here to save fucking dogs and save families. That's what I'm here to do. And so that's what I'm doing. And so that's why I don't need every Tom, Dick, or Harry calling me. I've got, I've got 
the top of the top column. So I've got people who know what they need and are ready to get there and ready to really do it. You know, this dinner that I'm about to have with Maggie, check this out. You know, uh, people talk about celebrity clientele and, 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 and that's, you know, fine and well. What I've been able to establish in Los Angeles over the last 25, 30 years is the right celebrity clientele. The people mm -hmm. who actually advocate for animals powerfully, globally, and actually put their money where their mouths in, where their mouths are, and 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 really show up to do stuff. We do projects all over the world saving dogs, and nobody ever hears about it. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. That's kind of the space that I live in. Now, if TV wants to come to me and make something that's real, that's really about doing stuff, and we can cross collaborate, at risk youth, homeless people, people in prison these dogs, people without jobs, then you can come talk to me about that and we can talk about doing something real. When Hollywood comes That's to me cool, with that, man. then yeah. we'll talk about that. But until then, I'm going to be over here doing what I do. Oh, dude, that's awesome. That is awesome. So I guess dog park dating is not for you, but that's okay, man. Um, <laughs> but dude, come on, man. You've been to Laurel Canyon Dog Park, haven't you? I started my American career in Laurel Canyon Dog Park. Dude, I have met so many women at Laurel Canyon Dog Park that I ended up going out with. It's crazy. Just a dog park dating. It's a great show, just not for you. That's all. Can, I, can I share something with you? Absolutely. I went to the same dog park, but my only goal was to meet people in need with their dogs. That's, that's good. It's bought me nine homes, brother. <laughs> I don't know where your path has led you. <laughs> that's that that is that is awesome. I, I went I went there so my dogs could have fun. That was my yeah, objective. Yeah, the, yeah. the woman thing was an extra added benefit. That's all. I know you're but, um, so brother. I know how good you are and how sweet you are, and that is a wonderful magnet for for. No, uh, it, it's just a funny thing. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to produce reality shows, and I would tell people, like at Mark Burnett, I go, I've got a three-word pitch for you, easiest show ever to understand, dog park dating. Anyway, yeah, enough yeah. of that. Let, let's yeah. let's get that out of the way. Um, did did I tell you the did I tell you about the bully project that is like occupies half of my life right now that no. I work on? I don't know if yeah, I even told no you about idea. that. I have this little group that I formed called Bullies Angels. And, you know, being an entertainment guy, I always have to have an entertainment sort of reference or angle. So I'll, I'll send you the logo. It's really cool. The logo is for four women in silhouette, like the old Charlie's Angels. Yeah. And then and then they're all they all have four their pit bulls in silhouette. And it's Linda Blair. You know who Linda is, of course. Yep. And it's three other women in different parts of the, the U.S., one in Missouri, yep. one in North Carolina, one here in Hawaii that all have big land-based pit bull sanctuaries. You know, they're not they're not at-home foster rescues. These yeah. are people that have invested a lot of money in land yeah. and built the structure. And every single one of them is barely hanging on by a thread. So what, what I do is I engage with celebrities like the type you're talking about who are really into advocating for yeah. bettering, in this case, bettering the breed, it's just all yeah. bullies. And we create merchandise items and merchandise them in flash campaigns to benefit these four ladies called Bullies Angels. So that that's my thing for that's the beautiful. dog world these days. I love that. And I love it. I love and I love the ladies. You know, I'm not saying they're all doing the greatest job. They could all do better. But their hearts are in the right place, man. Oh, my God. Well, well, and they've dedicated saying, their I, lives. I, I, to I have a thought this. on that. I have a feeling, a thought on that, you know. I say this all the time because, you know, the, the majority of the work that I've done over the last 30 years in Los Angeles has been female empowerment around women who have rescued mm -hmm. and are really struggling with these dogs and need to find voice, find their strength, you know, attain respect from the animals and, and learn how to create a, an infrastructure that will maintain that respect, you know. And so 
one of the things that I say is that, you know, it, it is mostly women that I'm seeing based on my case study that are struggling with these dogs for the most part. But at least mm-hmm. these women are out there fucking saving them. They're out there saving them. Most of the dudes aren't doing Dude, it's that. It's 90% it's 90% right. women right. in this industry, right. man. So the I mean, right where you are, the, you know, yeah. Lisa Arturo's, the yeah. um the Stephanie Dravens, you know all yeah. of them, of course. Yeah. And so the maternal thing is a beautiful thing that opens the door, but we have to come with some paternal stuff behind that in order for the animals to truly make it, in order for them to have a million heart signs around them and and for them to be uh, in in positions to really become community advocates for their own breed. You see what I'm saying? They have to be good. They have to be loving. They have to be forgiving. And, And so that's where I come in. I facilitate that type of work. See what I'm saying? So I think that's beautiful. beautiful. I I would really love to see a powerful merge between some of these groups and some of the work that I do for folks that, that, you know, because hanging on by a thread should not be the way it's going. No, no, it shouldn't. And Matt, I would love, if you're cool with it or open to it, I'd love to talk with you about this offline sometime for sure. Um, Like when I'm back out in California, maybe we can take a ride up to Linda Blair's and spend a couple hours and, chat on the way there and the way back and whatnot. That'd be really Listen, cool. what I'd like to do first is I'd like to show you a pit bull that I'm placing in a home. So you can okay. see, you can meet this animal and you can see what this animal has acquired in terms of education and healing as a prerequisite to being home. And I'd like to, for you to come and observe the animal in the home before we do any of that, because there's a dramatic okay. difference between what I'm doing and what's being done out there. And I believe that if people gain access to what we're actually doing and how we make this work it'll become the 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 standard for everybody i mean why wouldn't you want this i brought this dog in as a first time uh uh home visit last week we did a training session with the whole family but what happened was it wound up being there was a birthday involved and some other people started showing up and all of a sudden there were 20 30 people in this home and then people were hanging out The, the session ended and it turned into a social function and this dog, having never been in this home, leash-free, was able to hold command, stay on beds, be out of the way, interact and engage with people when invited, behave perfectly, do everything it was asked to do on the very first home visit. And I would contend that if this was the reality for everybody with these animals, that these dogs mm-hmm. would remain homed and never, ever, ever leave their homes. They're just, they're becoming- That's what it's all about, man, because we, we all know the shelter numbers and it's That's really it. sad. Man, it's I would not, be my, not two point five. It's more like five. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know, right? I know. Off the book. It, yes, it'd be my pleasure and privilege to get to see that man. If you'd uh, if you'd open that door to me, I would appreciate Absolutely. that very much. It would help me do my work better for sure, and I always want to do better for the ladies. So that yeah. would be a great yeah. thing. Love to do. But that. I I know you have a training session coming right up, and I don't yeah. want to keep you from that. Um, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be back in Los Angeles toward the end of the year, and wow. you know last. Like a month ago on Talking Tough, we did a um, we did a special show where I do it once a month. It's called Be Good, and it was a group of guys, a group of what I call tough guys. I don't mean to lop you into the tough guys, but you're a tough guy on you know by that measure. Not um, as tough as some it, of your friends, and, though, brother. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was Lou Ferrigno and Butterbean and Boss yeah. Rutten and Sting yeah. <laughs> all together, all, all together. Um, 
So we're going to be doing this monthly at the Viper Room on Sunset Boulevard if the world ever yeah, reopens. That with you. And you know, I could see you there like you know, like, like as a regular. You would be awesome. I'd love to have you I would you love like to that. do that with you. Let's, let's talk off camera, and, and we'll get into it. We'll chop it up. Most definitely. And, you know, I, and I've got to, um, I got to call you on something though, man, because, yeah. you know, I asked a really important question earlier and you only answered half of it. And, uh, the half was, I understand my hookup with Maggie Q now, but we haven't addressed Kate Beckinsale yet. <laughs> no, man, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It's all good. Words, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is, but, but I am, I am a man enough for that job. Let me tell you. I'm there only so tough, brother. <laughs> right. right. Hey, man, it was so so good to have you on here, Tyson. Thanks so My much, pleasure. man. And uh, I'm going to be bugging you again soon, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Listen, it's a pleasure. Anytime you need me, let me know. And I'd love to see you when you come out. Love to have you over. We'll cook you dinner. You eat everything? Absolutely. No All no right. restrictions. Love to yes, cook sir. for you. Love to, love to host you. You're welcome in my home anytime, brother. I really appreciate that. Thank you right. so much, my friend. Have a good one. Good luck on your See show. You it's amazing. Super proud and honored to be here. Have a great one. Thank you, my friend. All right. Peace. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. John, you still there? Yes. All right, man. Why don't you, uh, why don't you show me your face for a minute, my friend and, uh, and stalwart producer? Actually, camera is not working right yeah, now. That's all right. Wow. Tech issues on Talking Tough. Who would have thought yeah. that would ever happen, right? Um, dude, I, I like that guy, man. That was. Yeah, he's got a great attitude. Uh, I love his confidence. I'm just like thinking like, man, uh, where is he getting these Hollywood hookups? I mean, Maggie Q, Kate Beckinsale, you know, it's pretty damn good lineup of uh, Hollywood so-and-sos that he's taking care of over there. Yeah, well, the, their the, dogs. Well, the, yeah. well, yeah, the list, the list is huge. And, you know, you could Google him and you see the list. It goes on and on and on. Uh, you'll, he only he doesn't name drop too much, which is a good thing because that's yes. that can be obnoxious. Um, it's a big list, and you know I I've known Tyson for maybe ten years, but I don't know him well. Most guests I do, I don't know him that well. Um, but I know that Pitbull world, as you know, and he has a big reputation in the community as being very very good at what he does. So that that's where that celebrity list comes from. From sure, it's word of mouth. You know how that goes. Yep. Screw Yelp. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Screw Yelp, <laughs> right? But um, but you know, beyond all that, man, beyond the dog stuff and his training and the celebrity list, which is really cool, dude. I just really dug his his philosophies on life. Um, you know, for a moment there when he mentioned uh, you know, Democrat and then uh, con conservatism, I was afraid he was going to the political side, and you know, you probably felt me getting ready to. Uh, I don't want to say shut that down, but gently interfere and, and, and divert. Um, but, you know, to me, it was just more of a foundation about who he, who he is as a person. It has really dug his uh, philosophies on life, how he operates. And, you know, if everything he professes is, is genuine, and I believe that it is, I'm not challenging that, then uh, to me, that's a, what he... What he described to me as a recipe, a successful recipe for living. Yes, no doubt about that. And that's interesting, kind of, I thought he was going to get political for a second, too, because he said, uh, I'm a de Democrat, but I'm not a liberal. And then he was kind of going, I was like, uh-oh. Yep. But but then he, you know, he curtailed that. I mean, that wasn't going any further. But, you know, you never know. You might get, uh, you know, another Bernarski on here or something where he's going to go crazy with uh, <laughs> <laughs> politics or something. But Yeah, uh, it's inevitable. But Tyson yeah. was great, yep.
hopefully we won't have that too much or too often. Um, we're, we're, we've done a pretty good job of avoiding that so far, I would think. Um, but that's until next week's show, of course, which is um, on the three-way dance. We have who? Donald Trump and Barack Obama, right? Yep, should be a good yeah. one. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, might be okay. God, could you imagine? Could you? Did you um? Did you ever hear that podcast that Obama did in Burbank a few years ago? No, what was it? Was it with Mark Marin? Was that who? Yes, that was it. That was it. Mark yeah. Maron. Yeah, I know. Dude, I never listened awesome. to it, but um, I was shocked that Marin got him on. I mean, I know he had a po popular podcast, but I was just shocked that he could, you know, pull the, pull some strings to get Obama. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Man, you know what happened is the White House reached out to Mark Marin, and really? wow. Yes, and, and when they first got the call, they thought Mark and his producer they thought they were getting ribbed. Why wouldn't they think that, right? Yeah, I would too. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you, know, you got to listen to the podcast. Not only, you know, it's even better than the podcast itself is the episode before that when he describes how it all went down. Um, dude, I mean, when's that going to happen for us? I'm sure Trump's going to be calling us any day now, I would imagine. Right. Hey, I once reached out to him uh, not that long ago and I through his his campaign. I said, hey, want to do an interview, but strictly about wrestling. They did write back. <laughs> Obviously, it never happened, but they right. did write back. They wrote like a really nice email back. And I was just shocked that because normally you just get ignored or, or they deleted or whatever. But I'm shocked. They actually wrote a really nice email back saying, no, you know, you can't do that. And, you know, uh, they're strict on media, you know, you know all, all this type of information I probably don't need, need to explain. But obviously it was a no. But I just thought it was funny that they actually emailed me back. Oh, dude, props to you for having the balls to even make that outreach. That's really cool. Oh, man, that would have been great. You never know, man. You know, the thing is, you don't. I got my job at Disney 30 years ago by reaching out to the CEO of the company, Michael Eisner, who I didn't know. Um, you never know what's going to happen. I, did I ever tell you that I had a meeting with Donald Trump in his office in about no. 1987 or so? I never mentioned that to you. I no. was. Um, I, I was uh, a football and basketball agent at that time, and I had three players from the Denver Broncos that I created an entity around called the Three Amigos. And if you're not the Steve Martin, Martin short movie, obviously, but um, it was a football entity. If you're a football fan, hardcore football fan, you might know it. But back then, it was a huge, huge deal. And we went to New York because one of the guys I had booked to host Saturday Night Live and we were there doing a national Taco Bell spot, you know, Three Amigos Taco Bell. And that's when Art of the Deal, that, that book that Trump first put out, was mm -hmm. a big deal. And I contacted his office and I said, hey, I'm going to be in town with the Three Amigos. And I wonder if we can have a meeting with, uh, with Mr. Trump. And whoever answered the phone, I don't remember now. So we know what's first I wrote. And it was all letters back then. I actually sent a letter because there was no Internet. Um, so I was got a letter back, you know, what's it about? I called, I said, you know, it's just, I know he's a football fan and we're going to be there and it's a cool thing. And I thought maybe he'd have a few minutes. He'd say hi. So they booked a meeting and I went into this meeting with uh, Vance Johnson and Mark Jackson and Ricky Nakeel, the three amigos. And we were in his office for about 15 minutes. We exchanged some pleasantries. We talked about nothing and that was out. So dude, you never know though until you try, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty cool that uh, he agreed to do it and uh, hang out with the three Migos. But you're right. You never really know. You just got to throw it out there. I mean, there's been some other ones where I've thrown them out there and if you, know, you get torched or uh, ignored. But then, you know, um, 
there is one instance where I did get a call um, because I emailed this person and it was a call from like one of, one of their minions who was actually a high ranking position himself. So it was almost like demeaning that this top, top guy made somebody else call me. And that guy's position is like, it, it made no sense to give me the call. But like they were like grilling me on like, well, I'm asked for the interview, all this other stuff. And I was like, well, can I get the interview? They're like, no. I was like, ah, oh. hmm. but it was worth a shot. You know, it's always worth a shot. Dude, you never know. I've gotten a lot of places by by being willing to ask. And a lot is in how you ask also, of course. But uh, it's always worth a try. Oh, and I have to qualify, of course, that whole Donald Trump story. That does not mean I am a Trump supporter. But it also doesn't mean I'm not a Trump supporter. Because as is usual, I'm talking tough. There's no politics. And I don't even want to say. So I figured that I figured I had to say that for the record. Better say sorry on that one. Yep. Yeah, whatever. I don't yeah, I don't want to open that can of worms. Definitely open the Kate Beckinsale can of worms, but not the Trump follower can of worms. There you go. Nice. That's a good All can. Right. Good can open. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right. Well, that was cool, man. Thank you, John. Appreciate it as always. And uh I think I'm gonna go play with my dogs now. I know it's uh 10 21 p.m your time so as usual i've kept you late thank you for uh staying late and no problem uh, tomorrow we've got um god who we have tomorrow we have luke gallows and don fry together that i like that pairing that's going to be awesome so that's something to look forward to yes big time definitely looking forward to that for sure right on my friend john this is Rick Bassman here signing off for John Pozerowski and the two-man power trip and for myself and Talking Tough. Until next time, everybody. Thank you. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.